The vast, seemingly endless universe holds many mysteries. Man, in his quest for knowledge of cosmic origins, continues to search for new discoveries in the heavens. But could the answer he's looking for be right here on Earth? I think the existence of the universe itself is a scientific mystery. You cannot explain the universe scientifically. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. In our busy day-to-day lives, it's hard to imagine our planet as just a tiny part of an enormous black field called the universe. But what exactly is the universe, and how was it formed? Don't beam out. Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the universal topic of space, the final frontier. For centuries, man has been looking into space and wondering what lies beyond the visible border. Dr. Danny Faulkner is professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina at Lancaster. He says although space discovery is a never-ending venture, we've come a long way from when our knowledge of space was limited to our own sun and galaxy. Our star is a member of a large group of stars, a couple hundred billion stars, called the Milky Way Galaxy. It's about 100,000 light years in diameter, kind of a flat disk-like shape. And really, a hundred years ago, most astronomers thought the Milky Way galaxy was it. That's all that existed in the universe. In fact, they called the universe and the galaxy the same thing, used the word synonymously. We saw little patches of light off in the distance, kind of round and flat, and we debated what they were up till a hundred years ago. They, one idea was that these were just large gas clouds inside of our own galaxy that were shrinking down to form solar systems. And this is evidence of that process. Other idea was island universe, that these were actually other galaxies or universes, as they used the term back then, and they were maybe millions of light years away. Eventually, in 1924, that's exactly what Edwin Hubble showed it to be. And overnight, our perception of what the universe was like changed. Instead of one galaxy of a couple hundred billion stars, we now had billions of other groups of stars. What's even more incredible than the countless stars in the universe is the Creator who knows each one by name. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Since the stars really are innumerable, astronomers can only offer an estimate of the vast numbers that might be out there. Today we think there are probably roughly 100 billion galaxies. If on average they contain 100 billion stars each, then I'll let you work out the numbers of how many stars that is. Uh, and that's probably an underestimate at this point. And uh, the universe is, contains a lot of stuff. And we can look off in every direction billions of light years. And uh, we see pretty much the same thing in every direction we look. We see a lot of very fascinating uh, systems. To me, the sheer volume and size speaks to me of creation. I cannot fathom that all of this came into existence by itself. What is this thing called space that is inhabited by stars and planets and a host of other fascinating objects? Is it an empty nothingness? Or is there some kind of substance to the universe which makes it pliable? Well, Psalm 104 verse 2 tells us that God stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Dr. Russ Humphreys is an associate professor of physics at ICR and author of the book Starlight and Time. He says both the Bible and science suggest that space is some sort of fabric or material. There's other scriptures that point to it being something. For example, the heavens can be torn in 
in Isaiah 64.1, or they can be worn out like a garment, Psalm 102.26. They can be shaken, uh, Hebrews 12.26, or Haggai 2.6, or Isaiah 13.13. They can be burnt up, 2 Peter 3.12. They can be split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, Revelation 6.14. And it can be rolled up like a mantle. Hebrews 1.12, or rolled up like a scroll, Isaiah 34.4. So all these things give me confidence that modern physics is right in comparing space itself to some kind of material. There's a lot of hints in modern physics that space is not an empty nothingness, but is a material. ICR adjunct professor of physics, Dr. Donald DeYoung. Space may have many physical dimensions beyond those we can observe. It also appears that space itself can be stretched or compressed. The best analogy we can come with is to talk about perhaps something like a trampoline, where you could put a weight in the middle and it kind of presses down. And likewise, it may well be that space is that way, that the fabric or even the size of space can be curved and can be bent and can be contracted or expanded. The fabric of space may resemble a sponge, which can be squeezed inward or expanded. We really have little understanding of the extent or the size of the universe. New telescopes look ever further, and they picture ever more distant objects. But what about the size or the extent of the universe? Since astronomers continue to discover distant stars, does this mean that space is endless? Well, Dr. Faulkner says while the answer to that question is still unknown, some scientists speculate that the universe is bent or curved. The universe can go on and on forever, be infinite in size. Many of us, I happen to like this, following general relativity, suggests that space curves back on itself, and so that there's a finite amount of space, but there is no edge to it, there's no boundary to it. If you took off in one particular direction and could travel far enough, you'd come back this other direction. Sort of like on the Earth, there's no edge to the surface of the Earth. You could take off flying in one direction, and you'll eventually come back to where you started from, and that comes down to the curvature that your surface has. This is a two-dimensional thing curved into a third dimension. We can imagine that three spatial dimensions are curved into a sort of a fourth, if you will, so that it doubles back on itself. Dr. DeYoung. We know so little about what deep space is like way out there. We have not found any edge to the universe. Every year, new telescopes look further and further. But again, the geometry of the universe also is kind of beyond us. And if you get into higher dimensions, it may be that if you would go out far enough, you'd kind of end up back where you started from, almost like you were going around the outside of a sphere. Even space could have that kind of geometry that, again, you'd kind of go full cycle and get back where you started from. That could be credible. Creation could be like that, but we just don't know. While it may be possible that space might not have an edge or a border, Dr. Humphrey suggests that matter in space does. What I picture is, and what Scripture appears to picture, and I mention this, in fact, it's a key part of my book, Starlight and Time, what I picture is that the matter has a boundary beyond which there is little or no matter, and you have empty space for quite a ways beyond that. Now, Scripture isn't real clear about how far that empty space goes, and there are a number of different options. It could go on infinitely, so I don't think that's so. It could go on until it terminates and there's something else at that point. 
or it could go around and close on itself, join itself in an extra dimension. It could be a closed like a ball in four dimensions instead of a regular three-dimensional ball. All of those things are possible and allowed by the equations of relativity and uh, the existence of an extra spatial dimension seems to be hinted at in scripture also. It's fascinating to consider the immensity of the universe and the mysteries of space. But of course, what man wants to know most is how the universe came into existence. To biblical creationists, this is not a difficult question. The answer is easily obtained by reading the first chapter of the book of Genesis, and it's documented in many other places in Scripture. But to those who believe in evolution, how the universe formed is a matter of constant study. Dr. DeYoung tells us how secular opinions on this matter have changed over the years. Much effort has been expended in describing a possible origin for the universe. Over the years, origin theories have come and gone. Fifty years ago, the steady-state theory was popular. This approach suggested that the universe was infinitely old. It was later replaced by the Big Bang Theory, which continues to be revised and adjusted to this day. Dr. Faulkner says one reason why the Big Bang Theory doesn't make sense is the claim that nothing existed until this accidental explosion created it. You know, the prevailing model for the past four decades has been the Big Bang cosmology, the belief that, that the universe, matter, energy, space, and time came into existence at one instant in a, in a very high-density, high-temperature state and has been expanding ever since then. And this is not just a matter, explosion of matter into space, but it's an explosion or introduction of space and time itself. When you really understand that concept as being taught, that's really weird because there was no space or time before the, the universe existed sort of thing. Dr. Humphreys adds that the Big Bang is really a big dud. One thing that's not recognized uh, very clearly in the Big Bang theory is that initial state of the Big Bang is an extremely unlikely state. It's extremely improbable, extremely with hundreds of zeros after that statement. Uh, it's just uh, an impossibility. The first state of the Big Bang is a miracle. And then after that, it tries to unfold, but unfortunately... Uh, it's beginning to look like things would not unfold in a way such as to get the universe that we now exist in. So uh, there are many, many holes unfolding in that theory as the Hubble Space Telescope and other large telescopes are finding out more and more about the cosmos. What they're finding is disagreeing with the Big Bang more and more. So uh, there's a big problem with the Big Bang. Dr. Faulkner tells us that the only logical explanation for the existence of the universe and everything in it is that it had to be created. I think the existence of the universe itself is a scientific mystery. You cannot explain the universe scientifically, uh, much as you can't explain life scientifically in, in that sense. There has to be something outside of us that's created it. I think it's more profound or more basic in the case of, of space, time, and, and, and the universe because these are foundational things of how you get something out of nothing. Ex nihilo is the old term. And I, and I think the Bible sort of hints at this in passages such as Psalm 19, where it talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. Back then, people were using their eyes looking at the world around them. Today, we have telescopes and very advanced instrumentation, and we can see far more than they ever dreamed possible. And it really ought to bring us to come back to the realization 
that we're no accident. The universe is no accident. It, it just didn't happen. But instead, there has to be a creator far bigger than the world around us to make the world that we have. And Dr. Faulkner points out that in all of the universe, the Creator has given special attention and the gift of His love to human beings. It's not really a quote-unquote a scientific thing, but the sense philosophically that there has to be a Creator and He has to be very powerful. But beyond all that, as big as the universe is, and we would describe it as being a living, little tiny creatures living on a little tiny moat, a speck, orbiting a nondescript star in a very average galaxy in this vast sea of galaxies, and yet, as big as the universe is, as big as the creation is, God has centered his entire attention upon humanity and upon you and me personally. So much so that he sent his son into the world to die and rise again just for our sins. And I find that the most remarkable thing in the universe. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.